Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am Dano, one of your hosts, and with me is Pado. Welcome, Pado. Thank you, Dano. Looking forward to another episode this tonight. Yep, yep. Uh, we are recording on a Tuesday this week, so uh, bear with us anyway. Straight away onto injuries. Start us off, uh, Pado. What are we dealing with this week? So uh, the first injury we've got listed here isn't a relevant Supercoach player, but it's going to be turned relevant and I'll explain why in a second. So Tom Cleary is going to miss four to six weeks, which is a big loss uh, on field for Port Adelaide. A really underrated defender in my eyes, but uh, that opens the door for a spot for Lockie Jones, who is still on the bubble. We'll go through his price and break even and stuff later, but definitely relevant in terms of super coach only because of Lockie Jones. Yep. Goulden and Campbell of the Swans, the two young guns, uh, Trade them out. They're at least four weeks off. Um, they're stuffed. They're gone. So trade them out ASAP. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they won't play until they're by at least. Uh, they've been good. They've, uh, I mean, Goulden's been a lot better than Campbell, but they've made us money. But if you're still holding one or both of those, probably time to flick them on for someone else in your team. Toby San, aka Toby Green, fractured his shoulder apparently in the third quarter against the Tigers on the weekend and played through it. So he's going to be at least four weeks. So another forward primo down there, Pato. Yeah, we've lost two big primos this week. Again, in that forward line, uh, Toby is one of them. He's going to miss four weeks, which is a kind of awkward time frame because I know a lot of owners will be wondering whether to trade or whether to hold on. But yeah, with, with such an injury ravaged year, it's kind of like you've got to lean towards holding them if you can cover it during the buys, but you'll probably take a fair bit of hit during that time fielding rookies. So it's a really tough decision for owners. Yep. The other one that you were referring to there was Rowan Marshall. Uh, he's going to be at least four weeks with a foot injury. Um, the ruck forward option too, which is shit, um, considering Treaky might be coming back. Yeah, we've mentioned Rowan Marshall a fair bit on the podcast, Dano. I have been erring on the side of taking caution with him, not only because of his role next to Paddy Ryder, but also because this foot is lingering. And this is the same foot that he's been struggling with since the preseason. So when the big start struggling with these foot issues, I wouldn't be touching him now for the rest of the year uh, because it doesn't sound like St Kilda are going to give him the rest that he needs to get it 100% right. And um, I would be just putting him in the in the trash bin for the rest of this year and look at him again next year for in a super coach perspective. Yeah, yeah. What happened with uh, Chankuth GF on the weekend, Pato? So he got knocked, uh, not knocked out. He got concussed, and he actually got pulled from the ground by doctors to do a concussion test. Now he passed that test, but with concussions, they can come back. Uh, it's called DOCS, delayed onset concussion syndrome. Um, that just pretty much means that if you get concussed. It can the symptoms can come up two or three days later, even up to a week. So watch this space with CJ if you're holding him, if you're relying on teams, uh, if, sorry, if you're relying on him to play this week and if you don't have the defensive cover on your bench, just watch this space. Now, we are getting Thursday night teams this week, which is awesome for the first time all year. Well, for two years, really. But 
Yeah, watch this space with CJ because he may get named, but it might be one of those ones where they'll give him a last-minute fitness test. But hopefully for people that have CJ that he's fine and he comes up for next week, but just watch this space and be mindful of it and have a contingency plan if he is either named out or a late out. Yep. And last but not least, Jackie Bowes from the Gold Coast Suns uh, tweaked his hammy. I don't know how how bad it was, um, but usually soft tissue injuries like that Around four weeks, you usually deem a hammy. So what do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, the sun said two to three weeks this afternoon, but I don't know how much to trust that one. For someone like Jack Pose, who has had soft tissue injury history, I would be very, very careful of this one. Now, it's not like someone else without a hamstring issue in the past. We'd probably trust that it will only be two or three weeks. But for someone that has had such soft tissue injuries, in the last few years and at such at such a young age, I'd be very mindful of this one and be maybe looking at trading him out. But if you hold him, it could be a nice POD for you as well. So it's a really tough decision there. Uh, we'll look at some uh, trade-ins. So some of those rookie price plays uh, with very low break-evens. Start us off, Pato. Who's the one that you want to talk about first? Uh, Lockie Jones up first. Uh, we mentioned him a little bit before, but he's 139,000 defender. Uh, his break-even is 40, negative 47, sorry, negative 47, that is. And he's averaging at 65. Now, there are a couple of other defensive options, which we will mention up next, Dano. But uh, I think Lockie Jones probably has the highest scoring potential. And in that case, also the best money-making potential. Now, he's probably got the lowest job security out of the three of them. But if you're looking for a quick sort of uh, price injection in the next four to five weeks, in order to get full primo as quickly as possible, then Lockie Jones, I think, is your man. Yep, yep. Couldn't agree more there. The other one, Poulter, uh, the mid-forward. He's had his first price rise. He's up to 174K, uh, minus 43 break-even, averaging 66. Um, I don't mind people trading him in because he's still under 200K and he's still going to make you money. I mean, if you miss the boat, like another one uh, that we're about to talk about, I, I think it's either one or the other. You wouldn't really do both. Uh, what are your thoughts, Pato? Yeah, for sure. I've only put these guys in just because if you went one down, one up last week, you've probably missed one of uh, Poulter or Riley Collier-Dawkins. So if you didn't bring both of them in last week, I know there's plenty of people that did go double down last week, like we mentioned as a possibility, don't I? But uh, I think if you didn't get either of these guys, I think it's really good to get the other one in. So they've both got pretty good roles. Even though they've already had one price rise. Now, we saw Collier Dawkins really turn the game in that third quarter. I know you probably won't want to say, talk about the game too much, but uh, Collier Dawkins was one of the ones that really put the team on his back and kicked a couple of really crucial goals in that third quarter when we needed something. So he's averaging 69. So his break even is negative 22, but that's with his 40 odd score from last week still in his three round average. So once that comes out, he had an 88, which I think he probably should have got a little bit more, to be fair. But if he keeps up this midfield role, which I can't see why he wouldn't, then I think he's going to make plenty of money. And Porter looks like he has a really good role in that in that wing for Collingwood as well. And they've got no reason to be looking to drop those sort of guys because they've got to look for the future. And Porter is part of that future. Yep, yep. Couldn't agree more. Nate Murphy uh, out at Collingwood, 159K defender. Um, he's had his first price rise, uh, but he, then he got concussed. So he should be back this week. A minus 12 break even, 51 average. He is an option if you've still got, let's say, a Butts or a Cozzy 
uh, on the field and they're kind of maxed out. Cozzy, I don't reckon he's maxed out fully, but you never know. Um, you might want to upgrade quicker to someone else. Um, so Murphy's an option as a downgrade. Uh, he's going to be a slow burner though. Yeah, so I think Murphy's a better option for people that might have already completed their defense. So if you're looking for a quick cash injection, Lockie Jones is your man. But if your defense is complete and you're just looking for someone that is going to play every week, I think Nathan Murphy is your man. He's only, what, 20K more than Lockie Jones? But he's got the security of playing every single week in that Collingwood lineup, barring injury, of course. And, I mean, this year, injuries have been really bad to our super coaches. So we can't – nothing's for certain there. But if you're looking for a warm body week in, week out, who's going to play, may not score as much as Lockie Jones, but he's good for a 50 or 60-odd. And if someone – gets suspended um, and you just need that body for one week. I think Nathan Murphy is a really good option. Now, moving on to Nick Murray. Um, what are your thoughts on him, Pato? Yeah, uh, it's a bit perplexing why he's not playing, to be honest. So I thought he was solid in his couple of games. And someone that can play both forward and defence. So I don't know what Adelaide are doing there, but I can't imagine he's too far away from coming back into that team. So once again, we've got the advantage of knowing the team's Thursday night. So if he's named... Rock bottom price, 102000 He's going to make plenty of money. He's probably going to be a bit, bit similar to Nathan Murphy as well at 57000 less. So if Murray is named, he's probably your number one target, but maybe job security is a bit of an issue. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know why he's not playing. But anyway, we'll go into our trade-in targets now. So kind of like your fallen primos, that sort of thing, or players finding form. I don't like the first one on this run sheet, Pato, so you can talk about him because I think it, I feel dirty just discussing it. All right. Well, I put him in there first because I knew this is probably going to be the one that is the most conjecture. Um, and that is Isaac Heaney. Now, hear me out here. Just like with Stephen May a couple of weeks ago, where he got to, what, 360, 380, whatever that was, he's at a price where he's almost too cheap to ignore. And here's why. So he's at 342,000. He's a forward. He's a break even of 75. So I don't think you need to jump on this week, but I can see him meeting that break even. So he might get to 350, 360 next week, and then his price will explode. He's averaging 75, but let's ignore that because he's actually shown pretty decent scoring this year if you take away his injuries. Now, round one and round two, he averaged 108.5. So he played Brisbane and Adelaide. So that was when Adelaide were flying. So that's some pretty decent form there. Now he had 82 against Richmond, played a bit more forward, but Sydney smashed us in that game. So that's a pretty decent average of 99 after those three games. Now against Essendon is when he broke his hand. He got a 44. He missed one week and everyone was shocked when he came back and played against the Suns in round six. Now he scored 54 in that game. Played again the following week, again with his hand in a, in a brace and scored 19 against Geelong. And maybe that's when Sydney realised that, nah, this guy needs more of a rest. So they gave him another week off. Now, he's come back against Collingwood, granted Collingwood, so can't look too much into this score. But the key thing for me is he played without his brace, which tells me that his hand, I think, looks to be getting better. He scored 110 against Collingwood, which is a great score for a forward premium. Let's be real. Now, the other pleasing thing is, while he played mostly forward, he did play a bit of midfield. And he had 22 touches and kicked three goals too, okay? So, 
I really like Isaac Heaney only because of his price point. Now, if he was the same price as the next three guys that we're going to mention, I don't think he's your best option. And we'll go through that when we go through those names. But the fact that he's 342000 I think he is so cheap that I don't think the risk is that bad. Now, I've got one more little kicker for you here, Dano. Yep, yep. And yep. Hear, me, hear me out here. I might, I might sway you with this. And that is his fixture. Ooh. So in the next four, so he's got four games before his buy, and he's got that round 14 buy. So that's not great for some, but it's the last buy. So you've got, you've got time to rectify that during the buys. Now, he has Fremantle, Carlton, St. Kilda, and Hawthorne in the next month. Ooh. Yeah, okay. Now, St. Kilda are a bit of an awkward one in there, but I can see him averaging 100 up until the buy. So then he's got his buy. Then he's got three tough weeks. Oh, probably four tough weeks, actually. Port Adelaide, West Coast, Western Bulldogs, and GWS. That's a pretty tough month of footy. But here is where it's really juicy, Dano. His yep, yep. last five games of the year. Okay. And in here is obviously Supercoach Finals. So if you're looking for league wins or cash leagues or whatever, this is the moneymaker. This is what I think might sway you, Dano. Round 19, Fremantle. Round 20, Essendon. Round 21, St. Kilda. And here is where it's super juicy for the last two rounds. And this is the Supercoach Finals. North Melbourne in round 22 and the Gold Coast Suns in round 23. Now, if that doesn't convince you, Dano, fucking nothing will. <laughs> okay. That's, you're actually kind of swaying me now and I'm actually contemplating bringing him in. <laughs> yeah. This is why they listen, Dano. We throw the left field shit up. We mentioned Aaron Hall three weeks ago and he's averaging a thousand since then. So, uh, <laughs> We're, we're, giving guys, <laughs> we're, uh, we're giving people options. And Heaney's in just 5% of teams. Now, I reckon that might double this week. Maybe not double. That, that, that will go up this week for sure. But just like with Aaron Hall, he was in 2% when we started talking about him. Sorry, he was in 1%. He's in 2% now. So he's still in fuck all teams. But we're going to talk about him in a second. But Isaac Heaney, I think he's too cheap to ignore Dano. Um, and his ceiling is very high. There are some guys that... I think Warner is struggling, so he might move into the golden role next week. So he might play a bit more forward, and Isaac Heaney might be the one that moves into that midfield. So just watch this space, but I would not be surprised if Heaney can average 100 from here on out. And in a forward line, which is absolutely fucked this year, we'll take 100 from here on in. So, Yep, valid point. Move on to your man, Dusty Martin. So Dusty Martin currently is at 425,000. He's a forward mid. 68 break even. I had it now. I've got to let the listeners know. I had Dusty to kick two plus against my Giants on the weekend. The only leg that failed was the Giants winning. Cry every time. Anyway, so Dusty got a 121 on the weekend. Um, looked amazing, but we predicted that he would fucking kill the Giants. Um, but in saying that, he's also a yo-yo. He's always been up and down, but he usually averages 100 anyway, doesn't he, Pato? So I think he, it's always what they average from here on. You'd hate to bring him in and he'd get a 50, but then if he gets 150 the next week, he's still averaging 100. So what are your thoughts, Pato? Yeah, um, if people were smart enough not to start Dusty, I think this is the time to jump on him. Now, this is usually the time of the year where he starts to pull his finger out. I um, mean, not so much to pull his finger out. I think he sort of cruises through preseason, but this is the moneymaker. And his form really, really coincides with Richmond's form. And we usually don't start great. 
This is why I haven't been too concerned with the losses so far this year, but that's talking on field. But in terms of Supercoach, Dusty is the one, and he's the real, he's the real barometer. And he hasn't dropped a hundred below a hundred percent, sorry, a hundred average since 2014, and that, and that was a 99.5. So you may as well round that up to a hundred and away you have it. So as a forward, a hundred from here on, he's already averaging 96. So I almost back him to push that to 105, judging on how he finishes seasons off. Now, I don't want to talk take too long in mentioning draws, but Richmond have a very juicy draw for the rest of the year as well, Dano. Um, yeah. We've got Brisbane this week, who sounds like a tough matchup, but he averages 108 against Brisbane, um, which is huge. So we've got Brisbane twice. So if you want to back his averages against them, that's pretty juicy. You know, we've got Geelong in round 19, which might be a tough matchup. Um, judging off last week, sorry, two weeks ago. Um, but that's about it in terms of tough games coming up. Now, GWS in round 22 sounds like a tough matchup, but he took the piss on the weekend. And uh, I don't know how he only got 121 with 28 touches and four goals, but that's another issue. West Coast could be a little bit tricky, but that's a once-off and that's over at Optus. So that might be a low game just coming off his bye. But other than that, nothing else is jumping out in terms of a tough matchup. He's got Hawthorne in round 23 and he's got North Melbourne in round 21. So um, if you don't have Dusty, I don't think you have to sell. I don't think I have to sell Dusty. I think he's in nearly 60% of teams. So I don't think you can afford not to bring him in. I can't, you can't bet against Dusty closing out a year and he can still win the Brownlow from here, Dano. And that's how, good he can be when he wants to be and I feel like you'd need him in your team if you're serious about super coach yeah 100% and that's why 60% of coaches have him um Aaron Hall my guy from a few weeks ago that I said you pretty much got to bring him in if you got the big gonads well he's not big gonads anymore he's safe as fucking houses 454k kind of missed out on the 410k but it doesn't really matter too much because it's only a 40 44k price rise it's all good um, he's got 110.3 round average, 105 round average, only 2% ownership, like you said. I don't, I don't think it's too late to get him in now. The only thing that would probably turn people off is the fact that Zebel and Impy have the same buy as him, um, but um, and also like Hawkins as well. So wouldn't I? Some some people have been floating the suggestion of trading Zebel out for Hall. I've seen a few on Twitter doing that. I'd still hold Zebel, but I reckon that you got to have Hall because his role's too juicy to ignore. Yeah, look, I can understand why people were a little bit skeptical on Aaron Hall when we first mentioned when you first mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, Dano. Um, I brought him in on this just before his second big score from coming back. So I believe you brought him in for the Melbourne game. Is that right, Dano? Uh, I've had him for two weeks, so so before the Collingwood game. Uh, let me have a no. Quick I reckon you. Yeah, it was the Collingwood game. It was the Collingwood game. Right, yeah. So well, whenever he, I, came, I he came back from being concussed and then he got the 100 plus score and then I brought him in. Yeah. So I can understand why people were a little bit bullish then um, coming off a couple of injury scores and whatnot. But I don't think there's any excuse now. He passes the eye test. I think he's getting more of the footy than Zebel because I think he brings a little bit more running carry, which is really the flavour of the year um, in terms of on-field on footy. Um, he's dropped three tonnes in a row now after his injury affected score, and then he had that 133 against Adelaide. So I think the, the form is there. The runs on the board are there. And I almost think you have to jump on now because his break-even is 47. Yeah. Um, and yes, he does have that first buy, which is probably the only negative. But 
I actually really like the Zeeble two-hole move if you've got the trades up your sleeve um, because I'm going to call it now, and I mentioned it on Twitter yesterday, I think. I reckon Aaron Hall will average more than Zeeble for the rest of the year. And that's even if Zeeble plays throughout the year. Now, I don't think he's going to play the rest of the year. That's why I still don't have him in my team. But even if they both play for the rest of the year, I see Aaron Hall averaging more from this point on. So if you want to pocket the, what is it, 100, 150K from Zeeble to Hall um, and potentially have a little bit of a nightmare for the next couple of weeks, but if Zeeble gets injured or has a random role change or whatever, then... Uh, yeah, I, I see Aaron Hall averaging more is my bottom line. Yeah, I, I get that. And the other thing is uh, Hall's kick-in uh, percentages has increased now. It's a 50-50 split between him and Zeeble. And when you consider how many shots on goal teams have against North Melbourne, the amount of behinds that they have, there's cheap kicks right there. And a lot of Zeeble's cheap kicks are now going down because Hall's now taking 50% of the kick-ins. So there's another factor and could be directly correlated, well, likely is, to Zeeble not pumping out the 140s, 150s anymore because Hall's taking 50% of those kick-ins. Yep, absolutely. And uh, the other thing is he's being held a little bit more accountable defensively as well. So he's getting a bit tougher matchup. So maybe they're just trying to roll him off a key matchup to try and get them out of the square. But if he's more accountable defensively and Aaron Hall is the one that's really zoning off, I mean, look at the stats. They both had 17 kicks, but Aaron Hall had 11 handballs, which means he's getting on the end of chains and he's running and he's carrying. And it's just huge super coach uh, potential mm. with that scoring. So if you don't have Aaron Hall, I can understand why you've been a bit skeptical, but I think there's enough runs on the boards now that I think he's probably going to hold up this 100 to 110 average for the rest of the year that he's had over the last five. Um, and I think he's going to be in that top six group by the end of the year. Yep, yep. And Hall also has uh, some shots on goal too. Um, we'll stop t- having a little bit of a jerk over Aaron Hall and start focusing on some others. So there's, uh, we'll try and pump through these a bit quicker. So there's Nicky Hind, 455K forward. He's playing half back for the Dons. Brett Ratton, why the fuck did you let him go? He seemed to be a bit of a spud with these calls. Oh, it's probably not him, the list management. But anyway, he's got a 50 break even, 94 average, three round average of 104. 3% ownership. What do you reckon, Pato? Is he a top 10 forward or not? Uh, I almost see him as a top 10 forward coming in. Uh, he's hasn't played halfback traditionally, but Essendon saw something and they like his running carry. He's essentially playing Aaron, uh, Adam Sard's role from last year. And 24 kicks, seven handballs on the weekend for 127. So that's huge. Uh, 523 metres gained. So that just really sums up his role in the team. Eight marks as well. So... They like the ball in his hands. He's very quick, and that's why he's playing that halfback role. So he's in 3% of teams, as you said. So a nice little POD for someone that is looking for someone a little bit left field, someone that's not in every team. And Nick Hine ticks that box. Um, It would take a bit of a risk to have him to think he might average more than Hall and those sort of guys because they're pretty much the same price. Um, But, yeah, Nick Hine is a nice little left field choice if you like to be a little bit different. You want a fucking really big left field choice, Pato? Yeah, I know what's coming. Jesse fucking Hogan. Um, he, so he's 310K. He's had his two games. 91 average, 0.6% ownership. But 
the thing that I was talking to my mate, Carl, uh, Carl Bianco, shout out KB, um, on the weekend was that when I was watching Jesse Hogan kick the ball, what did you notice, Paddo? Uh, he's striking it very well. No, he isn't. He is not getting the penetration that he used to get. And I don't know whether it's because of that calf or not, or that weird stutter step that he's been doing. But for example, when he kicked that behind on the weekend, Paddo, a regulation 40 meter drop punt for him. And it didn't even make the distance. He got punched over the line. The thing is though, he had those two other shots just before that, that um, smashed through the, uh, the goals. So yeah, I, I just, reckon that was just yeah. punched off personally, but uh, I've more so in the first half when the giants were up and about, he looked a million dollars and he was absolutely towering up whoever Richmond put on him. Um, so he, he, I don't even know what he scored, but it wasn't as much as what he was on track for. Um, no, he, he, he finished the game. He finished the game on pretty much what he was on at halftime, which I think yeah, was 87. So I, was say, I reckon he had 80 odd at halftime, but ended on 89. So he really dropped off in that second half, but he's also just coming into fitness and this is his second game of the year. So he had his four goals all in the first half. So if he can turn that into bags of five or six, still get his 15, 20 touches and all those marks up forward. Um, I can see him being a nice, cheap option if you like to be really risky. Um, he's even cheaper than Isaac Heaney, but way more of a risk. Way more of a risk. Bloody oath. Bloody oath. Um, moving on to my namesake, but his name's got a Y in it. Dane Zorko, 511K mid forward, 100 average, 112 three-round average, 108 five-round average. I said on Twitter that Zorko has probably one of the greatest... The greatest runs against the Suns, uh, even when Took Miller plays. Someone told me on on Twitter, oh, no, nah, Took will tail him up. No, nah, mate, when Took actually does play and play on Zorko, Zorko still kills it. Anyway, Zorko got a 140 on the weekend. Um, Neil's still about, what, a month or month and a half away. Um, I just, I started with Zorko at the start of the season uh, because I knew that he'd be in the top five, six forwards by the end of it, and he's proving me right. What do you reckon, Pato? Is now the time to jump on the Zorko train? Yeah, um, I'm bringing him in this week for sure. Um, he's got that round 13 buy, which is, I think, beneficial to most people. Um, yeah, averaging 100, I, I can see him getting up to 550 in no time. Uh, it's got Richmond on the weekend, who traditionally give up big scores to midfielders. Uh, we saw that against... Uh, sorry, we saw that for a guy that we'll mention very shortly. Uh, but 140 on the weekend for Dane Zorko, playing a really good midfield role without Neil. Now, Neil was probably maybe a month away. Um, I saw actually saw a video of him running on Twitter today, which is frightening because he's just come back from, uh, sorry, just coming back from that surgery on the ankle. But uh, yeah, Dane Zorko, I think is a must have. And this is the week if you don't want to be paying 550 to 580 for him in a few weeks. Yeah, plenty of We'll move on to some defenders now. So the Riddler, Jordan Ridley, 481K, 98 break even, 105 average. Who does he have on the weekend, Pato? Uh, he's got the VFL Kangaroos. So there's going to be plenty of garbage coming his way. So it doesn't matter that he won't be taking as many kick-ins as he has been. So his kicking numbers are down, as a lot of us have seen, but he's still got 105 on the weekend. So he's just coming back. Uh, he's Five round average is 86, which doesn't look great. But I think this is the time to strike. Now, his break game is 98, which I can see him getting against North. 
Hopefully, you can get a few of those kick-ins off. Uh, whoever whoever's taken them, I think, is it Redmond? Whoever's taken them off him. But um, I can see him hopefully taking some more kick-ins again. But those intercept marks and and whatnot that everything else that he brings, I think he's a must-have. And if you don't have him, 481, I think now is the time to strike. Yep. And the other one, Christian Salem, still only in 3% of teams, 558K, 107 average, 119 five-round average. Fuck. Um, is he actually the second-ranked defender behind Millsy at the moment? Yeah, he sure is. He's absolutely killing it and flying under the radar still. We first mentioned him a couple of weeks ago, but he's at 558000 so he is a little bit more expensive. Now, my super coach just decided to fucking shit itself, so I'm trying to bring up his stats live. Uh, this is live podcasting for you, ladies and gentlemen. But, um, yeah, such a POD. Five-round average of 119, which I wrote down before, which is just absolutely insane. And... If you've got the cash and you want to be a little bit different, I think Christian Salem is absolutely killing it. Melbourne don't look like they're dropping off at all. So he's going to keep killing it in my eyes. And he's almost going to be out of touch soon enough if people don't jump on him very soon. So yeah, I, I, he hasn't dropped below 100 since round four against Geelong. And to so, be honest, he's probably going to smack it silly around against the Crows this weekend. Yep. And uh, round 14 by So... Not ideal, but you can, as I said before, with someone else that had that round 14 buy, you can you can make it work with round 12 and 13 buy people, bringing them in during the buys. Yeah. Move on to some of the midfielders. So we've got Marcus Bontempelli, okay, the Bont, uh, 627K. Uh, yeah, last year he finished off the season pretty strong. Um, he's got averaging 120. Um, do you reckon he's a must-have, though, Pato? I, I do think he's a must-have uh, just because of how he finishes games. And he's in his prime. He's only 25, which is unreal to think because he has averaged over 100 since his second year in 2015, that six years straight um, when he was just 20 years old, which is just absurd. But, yep, yeah, I've just but, brought up the wrong year. That's okay. Um, we'll keep moving on. Um, so if you want to get the bond, um, Pato's pretty much saying at 627K now, you've got to, you've got to strike now. Um, Jack Steele, though, he's one that you need to bring in this week. Um, if not next week, he's 569K, so he's dropped a fair bit. 114 break even, and he's got 113 average. Uh, he's a seventh-ranked mid, um, and he's had probably his worst month for a while, yet he's still okay. Um, I don't – yeah, it's either this week or next week for me. I'm trying to work out a way to bring him in, but I don't think I physically can. Um, I'm wondering if other people are even looking into steel um, that don't have him right now. Pato, are you looking into steel or are you just going to be like, nah, I'm going to try and figure out somewhere else to cash in on? Yeah, look, I, w- I want to try and make it work, but I think I've got a strike on Heaney um, and Zorko. I think I'm, I think they're my two trade-ins for this week. Uh, but Jack Steele is a great option. Now, there's probably better options in terms of value in the defense and forward line, which I think a lot of people are really focusing on. But Jack Steele, I feel like, won't be much cheaper for the rest of the year. And if you can back him in to start to roll. So he does have the dogs this week, though, which is an interesting one because they generally don't concede many points to opposition midfielders. Uh, So maybe hold off one more week. 
and he might be available next week at a similar price. But I wouldn't be waiting too much on Jack Steele. If you think he's going to be a top six to eight forward, which it looks like he will be, Jack Steele has to come into your team pretty quickly. Yep, yep. Um, we'll look into Travis Boak, 546K, 120 break even, 113 average, 109 three-round average. Looks pretty fully fit. We'll try and keep pumping through these, Pato, because we're going to run out of time otherwise. Um, but yeah, Boakey's one to consider as well. He's a fully primo mid. Um, Josh Kelly, take it away, Pato. What do you reckon? Yeah, Kelly killed it on the weekend and he went forward in that fourth quarter, which baffles me, but it's just another one of those Leon, Leon Cameron tarred moments. But uh, 7% of teams, I can understand if you've traded him out, you wouldn't want to bring him back in, but I'm going to back him in to be a top 10 mid from, from here on in. And I think he's still a great trading option at 541,000. Yep. He's got 124 three-round average as well since moving into the midfield. So as that going for him, um, Darcy Parrish, 564K, 88 break-even, 107 average, 119 uh, three to five-round average, man. He's ever since that Anzac Day game, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, I think that the ice is finally broken with Darcy Parrish. He's got North Melbourne this weekend as well. So I back him in to have another massive game this week. And he's in just 3% of teams. And I he's currently the 11th ranked mid. I can see that pushing into the top eight. And I think he's a better option than Merritt, uh, personally, if you're looking at Essendon midfielders. So Merritt is susceptible to a tag, as we saw on the weekend. Parrish, I think, is a far more reliable. And he's in far less teams. So I can't see much wrong with getting Darcy Parrish. Yeah, um, there's a North Melbourne midfielder that you want to talk about, though. Yeah, the guy that you were going to start, Dano, um, Ben Cunnington. Yep, yep. So he's at 493,000, which is very cheap, a break even of 94, but he's in 2% of teams now. His three round average is 115, coming off 134 on the weekend, averaging 96. So it's a little bit more of those really, really left field ones, which would take a lot of balls to uh, bring in, but he's one of those left field ones that could just pay off for the rest of the year. Yeah, and there's a midfielder that you haven't put on the run sheet that I'm just going to go through now. So, Pato, do these scores from round four lick your lips? So, round four, 133. Round five, 125. Round six, 125. Round seven, 100. Round eight, 122. But then round nine got an 84 and is priced at 576,000 and a break-even of 138. Sorry, sorry, I just had to do that. He cracks a can <laughs> in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> yep, go on. No, I don't know who that is, Dano. Um, it's not Lions, is it? No, it is Nat Fife. Fife is life. He's 576k right now. If he only scores 120, he's going to drop in price. Um, again, so he'll be mid 500,000 range. Right. So here's my issue with Nat Fife and guys like this. So I was actually having a, a little discussion with someone on Twitter today about this, and it was about Josh Kelly. And, it's, and there's these injury-prone guys. Now, I feel like if you're going to have an injury-prone guy in your team, so Josh Kelly and Nat Five both come into that category 100%. Guys that don't usually play 23 games, but score very heavily. Those, those two are probably the poster boys for this description of player. If you start them, then you're not wasting two trades bringing them in and out. So if, for example, I'm going to use it on Nat Five. So if, if you bring in Nat Five and he gets injured in two weeks, you got to trade him out because he might miss four weeks, six weeks. That's just his history. So then you're wasting another trade to get him back out. Now, if you start at five, 
or Kelly or whoever is injury prone, and then they get injured after that, you're only wasting one trade to get them out and you're correcting the problem. Now, we both started with Josh Kelly, Dano. So if for whatever reason he does get injured, touch wood. Uh, but if he does get injured, we're wasting one trade and we can essentially choose a primo to trade him to. Whereas if you've used rookies up and down and you're bringing Nat Fife in, it's far riskier because of that injury issue. So I hope that kind of makes sense, but I don't like the thought of bringing Fife in. Fife is actually one of my favorite players in the whole league. And I think he's the best player in the league still, but um, I don't like him as a super coach option. Well, okay then, Pato. Um, He's just missed the one game with a concussion, but yeah, he is prone to missing games through other injuries. So, yeah, I, I get it. Um, we'll move on to the ruck, the final position that we have not discussed. And none other than Maxi Gorn is on there, but there's also another one that I want to throw on there again. Uh, but I'll whip that up in a second. So take it away with Maxi Gorn. Yeah, so Max Gorn had that down game a couple of weeks ago. So he's at 628,000. I think if you didn't start him, this is the week to bring him in. Again, he's got that bad round 14 buy, but... It's Max Gorn. So that's the bottom line. So his break even is 146. He may not get that against Rory O'Brien, who actually has a decent record against Max Gorn from memory. But if it's not this week, it's got to be next week for, for Gorn non-owners, um, which is 47% of the league, uh, sorry, of super coaches so far this year. Last year against Adelaide, so Rory O'Brien, obviously, he had 107, which is, Sounds like a lot for uh, 98% of the AFL, but for Max Gorn, that's a low game. So I don't like him. Uh, sorry. I, if you're not going to bring him in this week, I think it has to be next week or you miss him completely. Yeah, and I agree. But there's also another option on the table that I've discussed previously. I now, one, I of our, one of our listeners, Christian, actually did it. And he did it last round at 509,000. And the bloke pumped out of 146. And that is Sean Darcy. Now, I said it on Twitter and I've, I'll keep bringing him up. He's breaking out before our fucking eyes. He started the season at 420K. Now, he didn't start the season, though. He started in round two, where he played more as a forward and got a 91. Played more as a forward in the second round, got a 90. Then he's like, right, the Frio's like, right, you're playing in the ruck pretty much almost all the time now. Ever since then, he's gone 129, 105, 120, 74, 114, 146. So if you can't, in a, in a year where it, where people are struggling to find downgrade options for rookies and whatnot, and you're finding, finding it hard to get that cash generation, and you don't have gone, I honestly reckon that Sean Darcy right now is a good option because he's playing... His average over the last two games is shits all over Gorn for one. And two, I, I honestly reckon that he can keep this up. Yeah, I really like it, Dano. Um, it's definitely left field, but he's in just 2% of teams. And he is 150000 cheaper than Grundy and about 100000 cheaper than Gorn. So if you can use that money elsewhere, I like Sean Darcy as an option. Now, as you mentioned, it just sucks he didn't play round one. So he was fit. He was named as emergency round one. And everyone was just like, what the hell is this tricky guy doing uh, getting games over their best ruck? And um, round two, round three, played more of a forward, as you said. But since then, he's absolutely killed it. And that 174 game, sorry, the, the single 74 game, I should say, was against West Coast um, and Nick Nat. So one of the better tap ruckmen in the league. So I 
I think you've got to be careful of that. Now, I'm just looking at the fixture. I'm trying to find where he plays Melbourne, and he hasn't played Melbourne, so they must have played in round one, and then they don't play again, which I think is a huge plus because you almost rub out an opposition Ruckman score against Melbourne. So he's got Collingwood around 15, which is Grundy, but he'll probably still score pretty decent against Grundy. But here's where I'm a little bit sceptical. Round 22, which is the start of Supercoach finals, West Coast and uh, Nick Nat yet again. And then uh, round 23, St Kilda, who's a little bit better of a matchup, but Paddy Ryder is a very good ruck. So that's probably the only negative of Sean Darcy, but I really like it as a left field option. Yeah, the only thing is you got two blokes that you've named um, are prone to injuries. So you bring him in and then all of a sudden, let's say Nick Nat gets rested because, I don't know, soft tissue or something like that then he doesn't have to face him. So I honestly reckon that Sean Darcy, for those that can't afford Maxi Gorn, and he's just going to be out of reach, to go for Sean Darcy. That's my call. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, you could definitely do a lot worse. Yeah. Anyway, we'll go to question time. So first one, oh, who, who's it from, Pado? It's from our mate Tate. Um, so thanks again, mate, for the question. Yeah, and he's just talking about Harry Sharp. So Harry Sharp... I can't remember if he did his ACL or something like that in training. Um, anyway, he's not going to play again this year. Um, is it worth sideways trading him to another rookie or just hold him for the loophole? So he mentioned on his on his Facebook question that it's his only zero on the bench, which is just un- unreal because I've, I'm sitting here looking at my team. I've got, what, four DNPs from last weekend. Yeah, but he means, um, he means an only non-playing defender. Right, and I'm wondering if that means Tommy Highmore as well. I um, think but so. even still, I think he's probably worth holding for now. Um, I've got Aiden Fife and have for the whole year as a loophole option. Now, I think, especially in defence, where the scoring isn't really that much from your rookie price defenders, um, I think it's probably worth keeping. He's also a, a, a dual position player. So if you have a, a, an injury to, to a midfielder in round 22, for example, you've only got one trade left as an injury trade and you're, you can't bring in, you don't have the cash to bring in someone that you don't have at 650,000. You can swing Rory Laird, who everyone should have into your defense and you can bring in a defender um, who might be a little bit bargain price. Someone like Jack Bowes who might be pretty cheap by then or Whitfield or whatever. I'm just throwing random names out, but uh, yeah, I think it's probably worth holding personally. What do you reckon, Dano? Yeah, I'm, I've got him in my team and I'm holding. I've got more pressing matters. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say hold, Tate. Um, next one's from James. Uh, I can't remember. This is also another Facebook question. Um, our mate Jed, um, are trades worth keeping or are we better off just using them where we can? So it's a really awkward time of the year um, at the moment in terms of trades because you want to be using nine trades through the buy, um, 100%. You want to be whether that's two rookies down to one primo or by the end of it, you're bringing two primos in and one rookie down, but you want to use all nine of those during the buys to try and minimalize the impact of your on-field scores and trying to get 18 on-field. So it all depends on probably how many trades you've got left. I'm sitting on 15 if I use two trades this week, but I'm thinking about probably sitting tight until the next, until the first buy, maybe one or two trades until then. But I've got to sit tight because I'll be using all nine of mine during the buys and hopefully getting to full primo, if not by the end of the buys, but by round 15 after the, the first week after the buys. But it's really tough to sum up whether you go try and go for full primo before the buys 
and be really aggressive. But then you're banking on not getting injuries. And in a year where injuries have absolutely fucked so many teams, I think you've got to be a bit conservative, probably a bit more conservative than you would have in previous years. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm probably going to try and hold off um, with running with the 15 trades up until the buys and then try and use the nine and then just hold six for the rest of the year and maybe do a few luxuries or if not um, some injury trades. Uh, myself, um, after using about seven trades at the start of the year or whatever it was or six or whatever with all these bloody injuries, but anyway... Um, last question is from Nathan. So he says, is it worth trading Toby Green or use a rookie to cover him and save the trade? So I think it probably depends on what rookies you have. Now, we've seen Jimmy Rowe knock out back-to-back 80s. I think he actually had 20-odd touches on the weekend as well, which I don't mm-hmm. know whether it was a change of role, um, whether he's playing a little bit more half forward, but he had 22 touches and a goal. Footy fan, uh, sorry, fan footy said that he still played that small forward role, but I find that hard to believe against West Coast while getting 22 touches. That doesn't sound right. Maybe that was an issue, but he had eight contested possessions and surely played a half forward role. Did you, did you watch that game, Dano? No, I was pretty much dead tired by then. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. But without having watched the game, I'm going to assume he played a different role. So if he, if that is your bench cover, I would probably at least hold for one or two weeks. If he starts knocking out his 20s and 30s again, then I think you've probably got to trade him out. But if he's knocking out 80s, I think that's fine. Now, the other thing is Waterman is a chance of playing at AFL level this week. So he's one that if he's sitting on your bench as a DNP, might be a little bit relevant for cover. Now, they've also got the VFL team on the weekend. So... I really hope he does play because he could knock out a few goals against them and have a field day and really accelerate his mm. money-making. Now, um, conversely, if you've got Scott or Bergman, I think that's probably also worth holding because they're going to give you 50 to 60, and that's probably not that much less than what Toby would give you anyway, and it's probably worth saving the trade. But if your cover is Brockman, McRae, I think you've probably got a trade, but I, even Porter as a mid price. Uh, sorry, not a mid price. I'm sorry, I'm going to interject here. Did, did you just say that Scott is uh, averages just the same as Toby anyway? No, I said not that much less. Oh, okay. I thought you meant. I thought you meant he's going to average the same as him anyway, which was fifties. Oh, and fuck. I was like, I wish if, he, <laughs> if he is, I'll hold him. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. I thought I'd interject there. Just to clarify no, no, all good, mate. And, and uh, Caleb Porter was the other one who is averaging even more than those guys. So, um, yeah, if that's your cover, then I think you hold. It's probably worth holding for three or four weeks. They're going to try and rush Toby back because he is so important to what the Giants do. And if they slide the next couple of weeks without him, they're going to be in a rush to get him back. Now, just quickly, that's reminding me, Dano, with Toby out, does that have the potential of pushing Josh Kelly forward again? Um, I don't believe so. What I'm thinking is Tanner Brune will actually get games and play more of a permanent role in the side where Toby is because he's pretty much a Toby clone. It's just he hasn't seen much of the pill. Um, But in saying that, in the last quarter on the weekend, uh, Tanner actually scored fucking brilliant um, when he subbed in for Perryman. So he could be a cheeky trading option because I think it's still uh, rookie priced. Am I wrong there, bro? 
Dana, what's your fucking name? I was about to say Tanner. I was, I was typing it into Supercoach. Um, yeah, he's at 161K from memory. And I think it actually might be one that you could bring in potentially. Um, we just got to see with the new Thursday team announcements. How fucking good they start this week. Um, but yeah, he, look out for Tanner. He might be a downgrade option in uh, for your mid uh, bench just to free up some cash if you've got like a pal or someone. Anyway, we are not called the Super Coach Co Captains for nothing. Every week we give you guys VC and C options, some cookie cutter ones, and some real fucking left field big gonad wheelbarrow fucking testicle ones. So let's get started with probably the juiciest match of the round, in my opinion. Um, I can't really see anything else that's as juicy. Um, and that is the Friday night game between the Lions and the Tigers. Who you got, Pato? Yeah, it should be a good one. I think the Brisbane Lions will probably win the game. Uh, hopefully I'm wrong there yet again on my prediction. But there's a few, probably not really left field ones, but I like Lions. I like McCluggage. I like Dusty. And I like Zorko as options in this one. You just fucking took all of them pretty much. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, that's okay. What well, The only thing I'll comment is, Half time on the weekend, everyone. Uh, Giants are up by what twenty nine or whatever. I go to Pato and I said, "What was it? I think that the Tigers will kick about five goals in the third quarter because Giants third quarters are shit, and they kicked four, so it was close enough." Um, yeah, you did, and uh, that's the money quarter for Richmond as well. That's when we really uh, kick in. So you mentioned it, Dano. You were right, unfortunately for your sake. Um, yeah, just bled those goals in that third quarter and just couldn't get on top again. Fucking, it's also the whole defensive mindset of the Giants in that third quarter. But anyway, um, Saturday game, Carlton versus Hawthorne. What a fucking snooze fest. Um, I think I'm going to start off with this one and go with the man, the myth, the Sammy Walsh. Um, what are your thoughts on Titch in this one, though, Pato? I can see Titch once again getting tagged. Now, we were big on Titch last week as a trading option. Now, sorry about that. He did get tagged. Um, Jamont ran with him, and he only got, what, 76. So that was shit house. Um, he probably gets tagged again by Kerno this week, which isn't great. So probably not a really good captaincy option. Um, but I'm going to say a really left-field one here, and you're going to think I'm crazy. And actually... Was going to put him in the trading options, but it was probably a waste of time talking about him. But uh, that's Patrick Cripps. Uh... <laughs> I've got this weird feeling, Dano. I've got this really weird feeling that he's going to kill it for the rest of the year. And I'm looking at him. He's, he's like 300,000 range 000. now, isn't he? No, uh, he's 411. He'll go down, though. Uh... I don't want to be looking at his stats, but uh, he had 94 on the weekend against Melbourne. Uh, he's got Hawthorne. Uh, let's just leave him as a VC option if you've got him still. Um, and we'll maybe discuss Patrick Cripps next week if he does well. But, um, yeah, I like him as an option for a VC this week if you're still holding him. Yeah, I was actually looking at him bottoming out at about 360K. So if he starts playing well now, he might be get there to about 370 or 380K, which is fucking absurd for Crips. But anyway, um, yeah, I can only really see Titch or Sam Walsh in this one. Or for Doherty oh, owners, Doherty owners, okay. 
If Doherty plays on the wing again, I actually like that better than him playing off half back because he, as soon as he hit the wing, he fucking he was unreal. And Williams then went to halfback flank in, I think it was the set late in the second quarter or something. And that's when Doherty went on the wing and it was, it actually worked. So if you got Doherty, it might actually be a cheeky VC in this one as well. I've got another even more left field one for you, Dano. He's only 3% of the Yeah, it's not quite as left field as Patrick Cripps, who's been fucking woeful this year. But uh, 3% of teams coming up against a pathetic Hawthorne team. Harry Mackay. Oh, it all depends on his shoulder. Yeah. So he, he injured, did. is he? And so he he got uh, an AC injury in like the AC joint of his shoulder. Um, it kind of popped up in the game. They've obviously put it back down and then given him the good old jungle juice during the game. And he played out the game. So yeah, he's I don't I don't know whether he'll miss this week or not. Because I got him in my draft league. And I'm trying to work out whether I need cover for him. Okay, so I wouldn't be liking him. After hearing that, I do not like that at all. So, yeah, scratch that Mackay idea. But if you've got Crips, I like it. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, Moving on to the next game, and that is Geelong versus the Suns. Now, you do your suggestions because I got my big one here and I want to say the stats for it. So you go first, Pato. Right, so uh, the guff. Uh, if you've got him, I like him as an option here. Just be wary. He may get a little bit of attention from Tuke Miller, it, which sounds, sounds weird because uh, Guthrie is the one that would usually do a bit of a run with roll for Geelong. But they may do a little bit of a reverse poxy here and Gold Coast might send a tagger to the tagger. I, I don't but, reckon that Took will, though. Took's just a bona fide gun now. He doesn't need yeah. to tag. Yeah, so I like um, even Took as, a, as an option as well. If you've got him coming off a week off from that suspension. Um, but yeah, I like those two options. But Dano, let's hear your one, mate. So this is going to be my VC option this week. So in 2020, this player scored against the Suns 152. 2019, this player scored 122 against the Suns. And then in 2018, there were scores of 112 and 144 against the Suns. And I'm talking about none other than Tom fucking Hawkins. I reckon he's going to rip them a new asshole. I reckon Sammy Collins is probably going to go to Jezza and not Tom. Tom will push up the ground a bit more, get those goal assists, bam, bam, bam. I reckon Tom Tom's just going to, he's going to be lit and he's going to kill it. And if you don't have him, tough shit. Yeah, um, it's not a bad shout. It, it all depends on who gets Collins, really, who I really rate as a really good defender. So Don't think it'll matter. Don't think it'll matter. I think I think it might matter because whoever he goes to might not have a big game, but I think the other one will. So I like Jezza if you're backing Collins to go to Hawkins, but I think Jezza could also get off the chain here. But because it's only a VC, you can probably afford to take that risk because the ceiling is so high with those guys. They could kick a bag of five, six, seven, even more um, against the Suns. And I, I see Geelong winning that game pretty comfortably. Um, it's down in Geelong. So all the inbreds will be in the stadium and they'll be looking to put on a show for all the brothers and sisters in the crowd. Um, but yeah, Jezza could go off. Tom Hawkins could go off. They could both go off. Uh, let's be real. So yeah. They both have like been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next game, we have Adelaide versus Melbourne. Um, this one's a bit of an up and down affair. I think you can only really go with 
Melbourne players in this one. I tried to look into Rory Laird a bit, and he's a bit hit and miss against the Demons, um, even when the Demons were shit. So uh, you can't. I don't think you can go past Clayton Oliver um, as a cookie cutter one. What do you think of well, Christian Petrarca though? In actual fact, last year against Adelaide was when uh, Clary had that two hundred and five game. Yeah. There so. You go. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to get a double hundred again. I think Ben Keys plays a little bit of a negating role for Adelaide, but I can see him going to Petrarca, yeah. um, who actually a pretty good trading option very soon, but we'll talk about him next week. I'll put him on the run sheet, but uh, I think Clary might be a really good VC this week. I think that probably will be my option. I don't like Gorn in this game only because it's an awkward matchup against O'Brien. Um, and as we mentioned before, Gorn had a little bit of a down game for his standards last year against Adelaide. So I like for a very rare occasion, Clayton Oliver over Max Gorn this week. Well, last week, Clayton Oliver still did better than Max Gorn anyway. So we'll move on from that game and we'll go to the Western Bulldogs versus the Saints. 50 million options for the Bulldogs, probably only one for St Kilda. Um, I'll state the obvious one for St Kilda, which is Jack Steele, which you don't like against the Doggies. Uh, but who do you like, Pato? Yeah, I don't like that against the Dogs only because they don't concede a lot of midfield opposition points um, so far this year, just because they bat so deep. But here's one I really like, Dano. Um, and it's because they were so pathetic last weekend. That's the Saints at shooting. So I reckon this guy might take a lot of kick-ins. And I don't know why people would have traded him out when he had his one week off. But Caleb Daniel. Mm. I don't think you'd probably risk him if you've got McRae, Bontempelli, et cetera. But I like it because I think he could take five, six, seven kick-ins against the Saints because they're so bad in front of goals. So cheap kicks available there for him. What about Bailey Dale taking the kick-ins though? I think they could have five or six each. Yeah, fair, fair. Um, moving from that game because that one I can just see – the dogs walking all over the Saints. Um, Frio versus the Sawanis, and I'm going to chuck it out there with my two Frio boys, which is Brayshaw and Fife, because I know you don't like Fife in Supercoach, but Fife is life. Um, anyone else in this game, Pato? There's some that I haven't named because I reckon you'll want to say something. Yeah, I mean, just quickly on Fife, if you've got him, I like him as an option. I think he'll score well. I just don't like him as a trade-in option, but... He could have a big game this week. and I mean, any week, really. But, yeah, look, this game's over at Optus Stadium, and that just gives a lot of room down back for the Seagull. Um, Jake Lloyd himself. Now, I mentioned him last week. I thought he was going to have a big game. He only had 98, um, unfortunately. So, if you VC'd him, um, I'm sorry for that. Hopefully, you only VC'd him and didn't see him against the Pies. But... Yeah, look, there's a lot more room available over at Optus. Now, I wonder if they still show it on Supercoach, the, the averages at venues. But if they do, I reckon he would average a lot at Optus Stadium. And I'm just guessing there. But... How about Millsy? I, think... I, I like Millsy um, a lot as well. He top averaging defender, which is a bit crazy to think. That he's not really playing when you when you started him at the start of the season, thinking that he would be. Yeah, yeah, we can't all be perfect, mate. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I like Jake Lloyd in that open space over at Optus Stadium against Frio, uh, personally. But yeah, what do you think? 
I don't mind Millsy, but I don't mind Lloyd either. There's a few that can go big in this game. Um, it'll be interesting to see, um, is Lukey Ryan back? I don't know. Did he play last week? I think week? he's surely back. No, he didn't play last week, did he? Yeah, no. surely he's back. Um, anyway, he's he's one to keep an eye on for your defences as well. Um, moving on to the Sunday game. So we've got the Giants versus the Eagles. Now, this, this one's going to be a hard one to predict for this. I wouldn't really have any anyone see in this game, but like Kelly, Kelly's you're worried about Kelly going forward with Toby Green going out. I don't reckon that's the case. Lockie Whitfield's in the team. I said when Lock Whitfield comes in, Kelly will go back onto the wing slash on the ball, which happened. I think Tanner will go to half forward flank, uh, most likely. But someone that could get affected a bit more is the one that didn't he miss the match winner on the weekend, Pato. Timmy Taranto. Timmy Taranto might push forward a bit more just because he can. Now, if you notice in the last quarter last week, he pushed forward a fair bit too. In fact, the final two minutes of the game, he was sitting in the half forward line, which baffled me because he's a primary ball winner getting it out of the midfield and up forward. So it made no sense to me, but you could see him start doing that more. They might try and transform him into a more Toby Green type role, which there's only one Toby Green, just like there's only one Dusty. So, yeah, I Taranto, I would avoid playing as a captain this week. Kelly's probably one that you could say yes, but I've got a feeling that we might see the Lockie Whitfield of old come out in this game. There's no real justification to it other than watching him play on the weekend and the fact that Lockie Ash has that halfback flank down pat now that Lockie Whitfield could actually push forward into that wing slash link man role into the forward line that we've been craving him to do, which is where he actually gets all of his points that people don't realise. So Lockie Whitfield's been poor late. No one will probably have him. But I reckon this will be his game to fucking burst. So maybe if you got him in draft league, chuck the C on him. I'll wear it if he fucking goes shit. Um, anyone else besides Kelly and Whitfield in this one, Pato? No, I can't really think of much other than those two. Um, Whitfield's on a lot of radars, I know. Just waiting for him to bottom out. He's probably not too far away from bottoming him out price-wise. I think his break is sitting at about 140 at the moment. But, yeah, he's had about a month back. So this could be his game. Absolutely could be his breakout game. But we'll wait and see with that one. Yep. Um, sorry, the Weagles. Um, Collingwood versus Port Adelaide. So the Magpies versus the fake Magpies. Um Fuck, I hope they wear the prison bars out there just for the lols. Um, I still reckon that it's so floggish, but whatever. Um, Collingwood, Grundy. You got can't go past the Reg Grundy um, and you can't go past Travis Boak. But is there anyone left field in this game, Pato? Because yeah, I can I like, think of one. I like Grundy, but uh, is Lysette back or is he missing more than one for that tackle? Mate, he's out for like five weeks, four or five weeks. Yeah, so I don't mind Grundy at all. I think he's a surefire thing for a captain option. Um, I actually really like Travis Boak in this one. There's another player that I won't mind in this game, and he didn't play last week. That is Dan Houston. And he's another one that we'll be talking about in probably next week's podcast, I reckon, because he's pretty much scoring like a primo, and he's about to pretty much bottom out, or he has bottomed out. 
in the mid 400k range. So there, there are our options there. The last game, Essendon versus North Melbourne. You can take it away with the first one because I know who you're going to say. Mate, I reckon there's three blokes from Essendon who could all go 120, 130 plus. Um, and that's that's Ridley, that's Merritt, that is... Parrish. Who's the other one? Um, Parrish, yeah. They're the three that I really like that could go really big. Um, but I also really like either one of Zeebel or Hall. Um, and that's because Essendon traditionally have given up a fair few points to halfbacks this year. So this could be a really high super coach scoring game for quite a few guys. Um, obviously, there's the same amount of points adjudged for every single game for super coach points. But uh, I feel like a chunk of points could go to those halfbacks from North Melbourne, and that is Zebel and Hall. So they're a nice couple of options as well. I've probably taken all of yours here, Damo. No, that's pretty much it. That's cool. I'm fine with that. So anyway, Pato, that was a good podcast. Um, what's your Twitter handle, mate? Tell everyone your socials. Yep, it's at P A T O S Triple C. That's at Pato Supercoach Co Captains. And that's on Twitter. And my Twitter handle is D A N E O S Triple C. So Dano S Triple C. That's on Twitter. So uh, from us at the Supercoach Co Captains, my name is Dano. And I'm Pato. And this is us signing the fuck off.